0: Three shots, four par, I just do two, one put, pop four, birdie, woohoo, new driver, info, replace, into pop five, fairway, what you fin do? Think I'll try to get on into stop right, good line, good view, Andrew, shoot him, Gavin, two thumbs up high and two fingers pointed. The green jacket is going north of the border. Mike Greer has won the masters. I got that, I'm playing okay
1: welcome back to another episode of on the screws podcast us open recap pretty uh pretty awesome weekend bryce what did you think about the tournament this weekend?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I'm doing my 14-day quarantine, so I was lucky enough to not have anything else to do. So I pretty much sat in front of the TV all four days and took in some golf, and it was didn't disappoint. I mean, you had you had it all. You had Bryson making a snowman out there and blowing up, and then you had John Rahm, and like how do you, you can't not like John Rahm and yeah. to see him win is just. Uh, it was great to watch. So yeah, it was a good good
1: tournament. Yeah, we had uh, obviously too Matt Hughes at the top of the leaderboard after fifty four holes. So yeah. as a couple of Canadians, that was that was big for us, right? We um we definitely were all kind of tuning in late afternoon when he was teeing off. So unfortunately, it kind of went downhill quick. Um, he had like the ball on number eleven get stuck in the tree. So either way, the wheels had kind of yeah the wheels had sort of fallen off by that point, but. You Know unfortunately, he wasn't there at the end, but uh, his pair, his partner, uh, Louis Ustazen, was so. I know you wanted to ta- uh, talk about Louis Ustazen a little bit. You want to get into that before we kind of re- do a bit of a recap on the tournament?
2: Yeah, sure. So, uh, I saw this picture on Instagram of uh, his best major finishes. He has uh, his first at the open in 2010, yeah, and then he has. To, uh, second in 2012 masters second at this u.s open second at the 2015 open second at the u.s open in 2015 second in the 2017 pga second in the pga championship 2020 and then a third and seventh and a ninth but i mean he's there like just that shows like how much he's there but I, like, why didn't he go for that on 18? I
1: mean, yeah, I get it. You're in the rough. You have a long way in. Yeah. But why do you
2: you lay up to 69 yards? Why wouldn't you try to pound three wood or pound a high iron to try to get it on the green and have a putt at it? I mean, if you're, I get it. These guys want to make their money, and second place probably still pays a lot of money, which is great. But, I mean, all those seconds, wouldn't you want to add one more major onto that?
1: that yeah, like... I, just, I, didn't, I didn't agree that's a win in nine top tens in the last 10 years. So I think that's Louis crazy. Louis' is probably doing okay financially. Like I'm not uh, obviously crazy. not his accountant, but I agree the layup was inappropriate. Uh, like, I, I don't know how else to put it. I just, I was like, I know we were talking all day. I just thought it was a very bizarre thing to do. Um, yeah. It just showed <laughs> kind of, he was comfortable with, with second place, right. And securing second place, Harris English, like had a, you know, he just kind of chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. And, and he was right there as well. um, But already in the clubhouse, right. So Louie would have known that. And it, it did like, I don't know. It does, doesn't show like that pro mentality, but yeah, some pretty impressive stats. I, I was shocked. I don't know what else to say. Um, Disappointing really. Cause like Rombo made that huge putt too on 17 and 18, right. To, oh, yeah. uh to, to, to win right so it was possible if he was on the green from 69 yards like sure it's possible but like how possible I mean, if right
2: fell, maybe i think it'd be a good play but i mean even then like i'd rather a 60 foot putt than a 60 yard chip you know? yeah i feel like there's more per- like he even drained that ball on 18 on saturday i believe it was for eagle
1: yep like, and it's
2: he could just he could have put it in that same spot and had the exact well, not the same plot, a different pin location, but I mean he had it in him to drain the long pot. Like give
1: yourself a chance at least. Yeah, Tory Pine's number eighteen is the easiest par five in major championship uh I th- believe history. I think that was a stat, or at least over the last like couple of years. So it's mm-hmm. playing well below par is like four point four one or something like so I don't know. Unfortunate, I know he was in the rough. Um which I was kind of surprised he still took a rip off the tee. like I know because he obviously had the mindset of going for it in two, but you could still go for it in two from like, I don't want to say a layup, but he could have just thrown a drive down the middle of the fairway and then tried to have a rip at it with three wood. But anyway, um, Right there at T four was Brooksy again, <laughs> and so Brooks Brooks Koepka again chipping away, uh, minus four, um, or sorry, T four for the week at uh, minus two, I believe. And we saw we wanted to talk about Bryson because the wheels fell off like completely. Um, this was one of the most epic collapses that we've seen in a long time. So I think he was making a turn at minus two, and then and then stumbled. I know you were kind of giving me the stats. So he goes on number ten. He goes par, bogey, bogey, double par 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 quad a snowman and then a par on the uh, on the final hole to take himself way out of contention he was t26 leading the tournament at the turn so hate to see something like that happen like bryson's got a ton of talent but i just feel like when those things start to happen he can't like regroup you know what i mean he can't like redirect himself and and it made a lot of drama it made up for a lot of drama, I guess. And we enjoyed watching it. I don't know. I did anyway. So, um, don't enjoy watching a snowman by any means. Um, but it, it kind of made it, uh, made it for a lot of fun and, and ROM won, right. So can't take anything away from ROM. He, uh, he deserved it a couple weeks ago at the Memorial. He was, uh, DQ'd after 54, just like smashing the field there. As everybody knew he was six strokes ahead and, and lost that tournament. Right. So, um, what do, you, what do you think? Anything else you want to add from Sunday? Like anything that kind of stood out in your mind?
2: Uh, No, just, I mean, those putts on 17, and 18, I mean, it was just writing itself up for a perfect story, and, and it, it happened for him. Well, so, I mean, it was awesome to see uh, Phil go down with his wife and his kid on the, t- on the uh, driving range. Yeah. Where was kind of keeping warm. That was a cool moment. And then uh, what I kind of liked was before – I was watching after Ron finished and I was like, why isn't Ron going to the the range to stay warm? Like, what's he doing? And they panned to him and he's just pacing back and forth in the clubhouse. And I was like, this guy is losing his mind right now. Yeah, he's just doing control over what happened, right? So he's just, I could tell he was in mental warfare with himself, which was kind of a...
1: Yeah, he was just kind of like streaking up and down, like around the clubhouse, walking. Like, with. he really had nowhere to go. He was just kind of ripping around. So, um, Rom's never really gotten the credit that he deserves as a putter. So, I know he's changed his putter. Like, last year he was playing the yeah. uh, the spider. Um, and now he's playing the two ball. I think he's playing the Odyssey two ball. So, um,
2: well, he actually just changed. He was playing the number 10 two ball for like early season. Yeah. And he just went to the old school Odyssey Rosie putter okay it's like a half moon shaped putter with uh and it's like the old school odyssey white face with like nothing it's just like a smooth white face yeah on it so he went to that and i believe he went a cup, maybe an inch longer because i mean that putter looked a lot bigger than what he's used to, so yeah, I think he went an inch longer. But yeah, it's completely new putter for him, but he's putting really well with it. So,
1: well, I played the Odyssey number nine. It's like um, like it's similar to the Delmar that I play now, and it has mm-hmm. the original. I don't want to say original, but it has this smooth white insert. Um, it's like a firmer insert and mine is like completely dead. Obviously he's going to change out whenever he wants, but mine is, uh, that's why I've kind of switched away from that putter now. But, um, I absolutely love that thing. So good for John Rom. I don't think he gets the credit as a putter that he deserves. Like remember last year was the FedEx cup, um, and the weekend before he, he nailed that huge birdie putt on DJ from like Mm -hmm. 70 feet. Um, I can't remember the tournaments now, but just, uh, Great to see rom win that's that's pretty amazing, so he was obviously pretty pretty excited so that caps off the first win. I picked a winner for once it's uh <laughs> like I don't want to say rom was like a shock at all, but um i i it was nice to finally pick a winner, so I went with my picks I had rom Reed. And Jason Kokrak missed a cut at minus or plus nine. I know Jason Kokrak, you and I were talking about him on Friday. Like he was there. Like, I don't, I don't know what happened to him in the last few holes, but uh, yeah, I finished, sure. I finished up at plus five and um, you had Xander Shoffley, Jordan Speeth, and Mark Leishman. So Leishman was the only one um, he finished up plus 12. So he kind of set your score a little bit high, but mm-hmm. Spieth was right there again. And of course, Xander so Shoffley.
2: Of
1: course he is. He's always
2: there, man. So, I know... <laughs> I mean, he was using that arm lock putter. I don't know, like you were talking about. He was such a... good. What was, what was his stat before?
1: So, he was ranked number nine in the world in, in strokes gained putting or total putting. And, it, yeah, it was number nine. It might have even been as high as, like, number six. And he decided to try and improve his putting, which I found was a very, like... Oh interesting development but he obviously felt there's a way to make more consistent putts and the arm lock kind of takes away any human error right so it's essentially Mm -hmm. just a pendulum and you're just you know these guys you got to remember like you and i we don't get to practice putting like two hours a day like these guys do right so when you're i understand the idea of the arm lock because I know some guys don't like it, but if you're hitting that many putts a day and you're just rolling putts consistently, why wouldn't you use the arm lock? And you get to a point where you know exactly how the putt is going to feel. You know how far the ball is going to go. The different, the only other thing you have to do is be able to read the putt on the green and, you know, tune in with your caddy and kind of find out how far the putt is going to go. So I'm not against the arm lock at times. Like I kind of think it does take away a lot of human element, but you know, if it's in, if it's not illegal in the USGA rules, like why not play it, right? So
2: yeah. I was just more on the point, like he's ninth putter, ninth best putter in the world, and then he goes to the arm block. and he definitely had a couple putts this weekend that he should have buried that he didn't. Yeah, which I kind of thought was his hump he never got over to push to the fun, like to be in contention at the end there.
1: So anybody who's listening right now, um, I was able to have a really great chat with, uh, Russell, Budd. he's the tournament director of the Toronto players tour. So a local tournament, uh, tour that is, uh, has kind of grown and expanded. They're all over Ontario right now. They have a golf town cup. Um, so each tournament you enter, you can win points toward the the final golf town cup and it's open to pros and amateurs. They have some of the best pros in Canada playing on this tour couple of them have been on the pod in the past. So if you're listening at this point, I should have mentioned it right off the hop, but just after Bryce and I uh, finish up here, I'll uh, put a timestamp below as well in the details. So if you want to just click on that, it'll take you right to the point where uh, Russ and I have that conversation. But one of the things, Bryce, that uh, that I heard yesterday on Golf Talk Canada, uh, Mark Zucchino posed this, uh, this question. So is who is the... Best player in the world. This has always been a debate. Um, Obviously, up until this past weekend, it was Rom. Who is the best player in the world to not have won a major? Um, The top two guys were obviously Shoffley and Cantley. So back in the day, it used to be like we remember when we were growing up, it was Phil. And then it was Sergio. And recently, it's been Rom. Like Rom has been the guy that has not had a major and has been kind of thought him or DJ Justin Thomas – they're kind of the top three players in the world and and I feel like there's a big difference from him those three guys sorry to Xander Shoffley and then in the next group right so mm-hmm. I uh I definitely think it's Xander Shoffley a lot of people felt that it was uh Patrick Cantlay as well um but it's pretty amazing to just hear some of their stats like I know we talked about it at the PGA Championship with Xander Shoffley he's had four top five finishes in five events Um and like he shows up at every major, but what do you think? Um Do you have anybody else in mind outside of those uh, two guys?
2: Yeah, I got one right away and he might not be the next fast player that doesn't have a major, but Lee Westwood, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, this guy has been an animal for as long as I can remember and he just hasn't got one. I mean,
1: well, I think – yeah he spent yeah. like half a year at uh, that this is just off the top of my head but i'm pretty sure he had 22 weeks or something as the world number one um so you know westy's kind of been there right so um and i love him
2: as a golfer i think he's a great player
1: yeah, yeah
2: i like his style like he he's like a nice compact swing it's a ball well he's fun to watch i just would love to see him pull through one week and
1: well he had a couple yeah, weeks like I think it was at the Valero, and then uh, he was right there at the API this year when Bryson won. Um, like yeah. he was just a stroke behind. So I, I think, like obviously, Westwood puts up a strong argument, and there's guys from the past like Colin Montgomery and stuff. But if I were to pick a player in the world right now, I think it it would have to be Xander Shoffley. He's yeah, I agree. the most consistent player on tour, probably um, aside from maybe Jordan Spieth right now. Like Spieth, I think with this win, I think. Rom is now has had the best, like if you're picking a player of the year right now, up until this past weekend, it was Jordan Spieth. Uh 100% of the votes were going to Jordan Spieth. Um He's been just, he's completely turned his career around. He has been dominating. Like I think he's had 10 top tens in the last, uh, sorry, eight top tens in his last 10 events or something. It's it, like the stats are insane with Jordan Speeth right now. Yeah. Um, but Rombo, he did it. Um, unfortunately for the FedEx cup, he will not receive any points for the memorial, but he now has taken over as the number one player in the world in the official world golf rankings. So, um, I like that. I, it's unfortunate that he doesn't get any of the points for the FedEx Cup because he played 54 holes at the memorial. I think that there should be something that they could do. Um, but that is still, I think, I think Bryson actually still leads that or Patrick Hanley, um, who got that win last week. So it is Patrick Hanley, but, um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that that's always an interesting conversation to have and I really like that topic. It's always kind of who's rising at that time and there's a lot of young guys in the game right now and a lot of guys that are approaching that. But I think, you know, it's it's unfortunate but Xander Shaufley is there again right there on Sunday and just can't get it done. That just about does it for our US Open recap. Um it was a great tournament to watch. We had a lot of fun and Bryce was actually in uh, Canada, so we were able to hit some balls in the backyard while you were doing the quarantine. Can't really go out any further, but uh, but yeah, hopefully you're breaking free in the next little while and we can get out and, uh, and uh, hit some courses. So I know we got a couple pretty cool things coming up. You and I are going to get out and play some rounds when we can. We're going to visit Copetown Woods. Um, so, thank you to Barry Forth and the uh, team over at Copetown Woods for hosting us out there. We'll try and do a little vlog. Bryce here is a pretty good golfer, I think. So, we are going to find out. um But yeah, tune in and uh, we'll follow this up uh, with the conversation with Russell Bud, the tournament director.
0: And I thought it was skip if it check up too fast, and I thought it was skip if it go past the flag, and I thought it was sad. I come ready with excuses, boy. I'm a not really sure why I started this year. I can't think of nothing harder than this. In the hours I hit, I get darker than hey, this. Stay on the ranch till the targets get hit. Don't even drink with
1: that. But the tournament director of the Toronto Players Tour. How are you doing, Russell?
0: All good in the hood. How about
1: yourself? Good, man. Good. And uh I know you're on a tight crunch here, so we're going to whip through this one, kind of talk about the tour. Um, you've got a lot going on in your life, so let's uh let's get into it. Maybe you can give us an idea of the tour. Um when it started, kind of how things are going right now.
3: Yeah, so we uh, we started last year, r- kind of right at the beginning of COVID. Um, and you know, I was playing; I played professionally down on PGA Tour Latino America and Mackenzie for the last six or seven years, and took a job working for the PGA Tour. And when COVID hit, kind of put a wrench in my plans with the tour, um, and saw kind of a need for players to play in something that you know co- you know help them other their games um, in a way that I thought that there really wasn't in Ontario. Uh, and it started very informally and really quickly became a very formal tour. Um, and now in our second year, we have a full schedule across Ontario and we have sponsors and like a legitimate website and like we're a legitimate, you know, one of the strongest tours in the country right now. Um, and just the you know, I think it's essentially
1: a year and five days today. It's been it's been a thing. So it's been, uh,
3: been a wild ride.
1: Yeah, that's incredible, man. I've been kind of following since I, I first saw it up. And then you were pretty involved in the off season too, with the power rankings, which is great. And it sounds like your power rankings were bang on with the one, too. So we can kind of get into that a little bit later. But uh, so it's about a year old now. Um, can you highlight a couple of the uh, schedules that you have on the event this year? So we,
3: uh, we started off the year in Belleville at Trillium Woods. Um, and then we followed up with Port Hope Golf Club. Uh, great redesign along the uh, Long Lake, Ontario. And then last week, we had the Sobeys Championship, which is hosted at Corey Golf Club, just outside Peterborough, which was a fantastic event. We had 60-plus players. Um, really, really good field. Um, and then coming up this week, we have the Cygene Pro-Am, sponsored by Three Sheets Brewing. Uh, which is a great golf course too. They they won our 2020 uh, Coast Club of the Year. It's a great golf course, 27 holes. Um, and then we go everywhere after that. To, we go up to Ottawa, to Equinal Golf Club. We go up to Midland, to Brooklyn. We go to Muskoka, to Perry Sound Golf Club. Um, that event's also sponsored by Full Swing Golf, uh, Full Wedge Golf, I mean. And, uh, you know, we go... We go up to Sudbury to Timberwolf. We go to you know uh, Smugglers Glen. We go to Wind Dance. like we go everywhere. Cobble Beach in the year. We're we're kind of all over Ontario, um, and a lot of that was because we had a lot of demand last year uh, from people from all over the province, and we love to play. And you know, I kind of kind of you know developed this tour into you know like a mini Mackenzie tour. Like how do we get how do we get our players you know prepared for Mackenzie tour? And a lot of it is you know when I set up McKenzie tour events, I are the exact same way I set up these events. Um, and, you know, travel and, you know, staying in hotels and getting into a routine are definitely um, part of succeeding at the next level.
1: Yeah. I've liked uh, to, one of the things you've started doing lately is kind of like the Instagram live feature for the last couple of holes. And like for myself and I'm on there and I, there's dozens of people on there watching, right? So it's a, it's a cool feature to kind of see it live. You don't, you know, a lot of McKenzie tour, even a lot of those events, you don't get to see them like you would on social media, which is, uh which is really cool. So I appreciate that. That is definitely uh, something that a couple of people mentioned to me that they really liked. And I was out at Port Hope the other day. Uh, I think I'm going to finish off the year there. So I was uh putting in the fog there. It was pretty amazing, but uh I've played the course last year and it is, uh it is looking pretty nice. So, and it played tough for you guys too. It played really tough. I think it was,
3: the greens were fast. Yeah, we got firm the first day. It, uh, it was it was survival mode out there. It was not easy.
1: So you had mentioned that you played a little bit on the uh, PGA, the Latin America Tour, Canadian Tour. Are you still playing now?
3: I nothing that I do on the golf course looks at all like playing. It's more like struggling. <laughs> I uh, I think I've played three or four times this year. So I've devoted my time and my efforts to uh, helping helping young male and female professionals and amateurs uh, kind of reach their potentials
1: so this year like i've got my handicap pretty low this year now and i saw that it's not just open to pros like uh, a couple of the guys i've had on in the in the past on the podcast uh like jake mcnulty mac Boucher, and they come out to some of the events they play and uh like those guys would dust me right but it's it's comfortable for i see like there's a lot of guys who would shoot some of the scores that i would out there too
3: for sure. And that and that's our whole thing is that, you know, and this is, you know, our greatest, not battle, but struggle is, how, you know, I resonate a lot with, you know, some of the top players just because they know me from playing. I played with them. It's how do we, how do we reach out to more amateurs and club players and stuff like that to come play in our events? Because, you know, it works two ways. It works great for the pros because it just, more people means more money in the purse for the pros. And for the amateurs, they get a great experience out of it, right? Right. They, they're, you know, they could spend they could spend five hundred dollars to go get lessons and you know learn the same stuff over and over again and never you know really make an impact on their game. Or for four hundred fifty dollars, they can come out and play thirty six holes with you know six or eight professionals and you know get a heck of an experience out of it. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of our biggest goal is you know how how do we make how do we make that amateur come out and feel um, really comfortable and you know a part of something and you know this year we offered free membership to everyone and um that was kind of a big step for us because we just thought that you know if you make people feel like a part of something in the community um then you know excuse me they'll be more inclined to you know play events and you know we we have a really good track record that you know once we get guys that come out to play in one event they come and play two three four right it's just how do you get them to come out to play one and uh we really you know if you you know hopefully you'll get out to an event this year to watch but or play but it's really we are a tour but it's it's really it's a community we have a lot of our like a lot of our players will you know hang around after and have have a beer and watch the guys come in and you know it, there's nothing but good vibes people are very supportive of each other it's super competitive everyone wants to win but at the end of the day it's not your typical tour which is you play a round of golf you slam your trunk you, you go home it's guys hanging around um you know spending time with each other and really building
1: relationships out there well and that's kind of part of the podcast too that's how i started up was uh you know just trying to connect with as many people in the golf community and you know kind of what you're doing you're you've got guys like I wrote down a couple, but Brendan Leonard, like I saw him all over the leaderboards the last couple of weekends, phenomenal player. And um, you've got guys kind of like me, I might shoot a 75 one day, I might shoot an 85 the next day, right? So it's, it's kind of, um, it seems like it's a comfortable tour in Ontario that maybe we were sort of lacking, like you said. So it's uh, definitely something I'm going to have to come check out, but maybe we can talk about the, uh, so it's the Golf Town, the points, uh, like the standings, I guess you guys have like a... Golf um, Town Cup yeah golf town cup so maybe you can explain how that works um it obviously would benefit to play in multiple events but maybe you can kind of give us an idea of that how that came about cuz obviously getting connected with golf town is uh, is pretty amazing
3: for sure yeah no that was um that, that was a huge step in the right direction for us so we uh, we linked on to golf town um we kind of started talking in the springtime we have a lot of uh, very similar you know beliefs in kind of where this tour can go and you know what what it's capable of um, and really, it, it's an initiative from Golf Town to, you know, really help reward our top players. Um, and, you know, it's like, you know, a comparable thing would be the FedEx Cup on the PGA Tour. Uh, so essentially, you know, we're gonna, we're looking to give our, our top five players at the end of the season a cash bonus for their good play um, with the first place uh, winner getting a $6,000 cash bonus along with, 2022 uh, PGA Tour Canada. Q-School paid for, along with the Golf Town sponsorship. So it um, it's a huge. I mean, over ten, eleven, twelve thousand dollars worth of value for uh, the winner as a bonus to the season. Um, and you know, Golf Town. You know, it's great for those top five players. But you know, when when we're done with you know this Golf Town Cup at the end of the year, you know we're it, it gives our players the platform across the country to really showcase themselves. So I want people to know who the Mike Gonkos of the world are, who the Austin Ryans are, um, Keaton Jones. I want, you know, Chris Wilson's. I want, I want, you know, I want my tour to be a vessel to get them to where they want to be. And, and, you know, whether that's improving their play or showcasing their name across the country and helping them get some sponsorships and some support Golf towns, you know, scope across the country in the name and you know, score golf which they're associated with. That's just you know, that's that's next level there, Um, and you know, they're they're they're, they've been great to deal with, Um, and you know, I think it's a really good marriage with regards to. They're open to trying new things. I'm open to trying new things, and I really think that um, it's going to really benefit our players more than anything I've seen in the you know mini tour. Uh mini tours across the country.
1: So it's the Toronto Players Tour. I was just thinking about this now. It's the Toronto Players Tour, but it sounds like it's kind of more of like a We're it, over in Toronto. Yeah, we're it's all it's we're almost nowhere in Toronto anymore. Yeah, it's like a provincial level tour trying to bridge the gap with the rest of the Canadian or North American tours that uh, are competitive as well, right? So um that sounds that sounds amazing. Um maybe we can talk. I won't put you on the spot because I wrote down a couple things and kind of checked out some of the leaderboards and stuff right now. So I mentioned Brendan Leonard. He's leading right now. Um, so I think he's played in. There's been three events right now.
3: Three events.
1: Yeah. So he, I, I know We've he's
3: had three events in like nine or ten days. It's been a, it's been
1: a yeah, been yeah.
3: Before. We had a really good schedule originally with you know, you know, kind of a blend of three events every month: May, June, July, August, September, October. And then uh, you know, Doug and Ford didn't really let us, let right. us do that, so we uh, we kind of had to. Uh, regroup really quickly. Um, kind of got pretty bunched up June, um, but you know, for for me, I think it's what these guys need um, because they, they got a. There's a lot of options for them to play in this summer um, with the McKenzie Tour uh, operating in the country and you know being open to Canadians. Um, and I want, I want at the end of the year, I want the top ten players on the McKenzie Tour to be guys that play my events. Like that's right. that's the goal. And you know, I thought build them up with heavy schedules in June and July and, you know, they'll be, they'll be ready. I mean, they're going to be, they're going to have more reps in them than any other player in the country. So that was kind of the, uh, how the how the schedule worked out, but I think it's going to benefit them in the end.
1: Well, and what an experience too. Like I last week I was chatting with uh, on the podcast with Rebecca Lee Bentham. So um, fresh off the plane in the 76 U S women's open. And that was one of the things that she said, I asked her the question of, kind of coming off like the Canadian tours and, and uh, like the mini tours, what was the big thing? Like she qualified for the LPG or LPGA tour in her first event or her first uh, attempt. And she said it was really tough to get used to booking your own schedule and um, kind of preparing for that. So like you said, cramming all these schedules in guys, having to map it out, drive around. Like I, um, follow Keaton quite a bit and he's always kind of posting about uh, driving to and from the different events and and it seems like the courses are really on board too uh, luckily I've played um, the ones that you've played at so far and like I, I haven't been able to Belleville in a little while but I've played Trillium Wood and I know they made some improvements and it looked amazing like the course looked amazing uh the winning score is a minus nine which is pretty low there like it definitely is a pretty low score and then um i think it was josh whalen he won the sobeys is that was that one at quarry yeah okay so again that one is a pretty low one but port hope i was surprised because i think i had a pretty decent score there before but with the redesign i don't have a i don't have a score yet but i it think was, it. it, it yeah
3: mean yeah <laughs> but it uh, you know we're super fortunate that you know i think pretty much every golf course the. We played at last year that we wanted to come back. They were they wanted to have us back. Right? And you know, that
1: that's 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 credit to, to our players for right. being respectful,
2: um, appreciating the opportunity.
3: And, you know, it's it's a good marriage. Like our our host clubs are awesome. I mean, they go out of their way to showcase their golf course and their facility and make our players feel welcome in. that was the thing that I always, I never liked about when I played other mini tours in Ontario was I always felt like when I got to the golf course, like we were in inconvenience. We never really felt wanted. Um, and these guys are awesome players. They work their their butts off. Like they should go to a golf course and they should feel wanted. They should feel special. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the relationship between a tour and a golf course and, you know, having a common goal. Um, and you know, if you if you make the, if if they want you to be there, they're going to showcase their facility. And you know we're we're really fortunate that every facility that we host at um, go out of their way to really make us feel wanted.
1: Well, and I like how you guys um have been able to, you know, with myself like fans of the tour being able to help pick the pin locations and whatnot. Right. So we're always picking the one that is like the most brutal position, of course. Right. When we look at it, but that's pretty cool that the courses have been able to allow you to have some of that input. which uh, which is great. Hats off to you guys in your uh, communication. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. So,
3: you know, I always say it's people that, you know, just because something worked, you know, one way for the last 10 years, 15 years, doesn't mean that it's the only way it doesn't mean it's right. So right. If, if you're complacent with how things have been for the last 10 years, then that's fine. But, You know, things have changed, times have changed. Um, You know, I'll be the first one to admit that, like, we're gonna make mistakes and we're gonna strike out with some ideas, but we're never gonna be able to grow and get better and really give these, you know, men and women what they want, unless we take chances and try different things. Um, And that was one thing that I thought was kind of a cool way to engage, you know, our followers. And and like I said, at the end of the day, it's building a community really showcasing these athletes. if that if that's because they're you know tuning in to helping take local locations and all of a sudden they feel you know more of a part of, of the tour and you know maybe that'll get them out to an advantage or that'll get their get them watching the results a little bit, whatever it is, that's 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 the easiest thing for me to do, right? It's how can I go out and really A, get get our person as high as possible for these for these players, B, get them the best facilities, and then C, how do I use social media? to really showcase these awesome men and women. Um, And we've had, you know, our our biggest thing, this is something I'm extremely proud of, is we've had a ton of success with our amateurs that have played great golf, juniors and, you know, collegiate amateurs. And, you know, we get tons of messages from college coaches in Canada and the U.S. saying, oh, what's the deal about this kid? What's the deal about this kid? Like, that's awesome, right? Because, I mean, it's... What an experience it is for a sixteen or seventeen year old junior who you know aspires to play collegiate golf. Come out and play with the pros and you know really learn. I mean, yeah, see how good you are. See where you got to get to. If you aspire to be a professional golfer, see kind of who you're going to be playing with. Them. Can you beat them? Can you hang with them?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, and like you said, how they conduct themselves too on the course, right? Because obviously that's kind of been uh, yeah.
3: We we had you know Yuki Liu last year, you know, play with Mark Kaufman and. You know, he walked off the golf course and Mark said this kid is really good. And um obviously Mark's brother is the assistant coach at uh University of Michigan and Yuki's going to University of Michigan. Like talk about an awesome story. The guy I didn't know Yuki from a hole in the wall and played pretty much a full season on our two or really his game really got to the next level and uh, you know, he's he's on the right path. I mean, that kid is gonna be He's going to be a Big Ten All-American. He's, he's got a ton of talent. He comes from a great family. And, uh, you know, I really look forward to kind of following his path and, you know, make, my, make myself feel special like I had anything to do with it.
1: Of course, but, of course. You no,
3: know, it uh, it really is, you know, it's super rewarding when you see stories like that happen.
1: Well, what an experience, right? And, and uh, do you have anybody on the tour that you can highlight? Like, I don't want to put you on the spot. I know these are all great players, but anybody that you can highlight to kind of watch out for this year?
3: You know, obviously, you know, Brandon Liner had a great year last year on our tour and you know, he won a couple times. He's already won this year, um, and has a couple top five finishes. But you know, Josh Whalen played some great golf um down the stretch last week. And, yeah, I know Josh is Josh is a player that really uh had a great of success. Uh and didn't, you know, hasn't, you know, had as much success in the beginning of his professional career, but he's played great golf this year, um, had a chance at our first event and just missed out and then uh closed the deal last week at the, the Sobeys open at the Corey. Um and that was his first professional win. And uh, you know, he's got so much talent. And a guy like that sometimes just needs to, you know, get through that first hurdle to get his first win. And um I mean he's a guy in my opinion that you gotta watch out for this year because, you know, he got that monkey off his back. And I think that he's always been a guy and you know he mentioned it the other day that you know, Josh works uh, grounds crew at uh, Loyalist golf club, and he talks about the fact that you know when he's working kind of allows him to get his head out of you know even though you're working at a golf course, it yeah. allows you to get away from the golf course. Um, and I think he's in a really good um, mindset right now, and I think that you know he's been you know in the past hard on himself and you know put a lot of pressure on himself. And I think the fact that he's been able to get a win early on in the year already, um, I think it's going to really help him uh, develop his game
1: awesome awesome okay a couple guys to check out for sure um so you're doing all these great things Russ. so before i let you go i gotta i gotta learn about you so i'm gonna ask you your dream foursome can be golf related non-golf related whoever you want to put in there is uh is good with me
3: let's go with jerry seinfeld steve carell and let's go with josh allen i'm a big bills guy so josh allen me going right
1: now, so that would have been uh Carlo Coliacomo was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, so that was one of his for sure. Um, and I'm definitely like I'm one of the biggest office fans in the world, I've watched the series dozens and dozens of times, so I will come out and play with uh, you and Steve Carell. I'll bring Dwight, <laughs> we'll we'll play a match, it'll be great, yeah. but uh, yeah, so. I know that um, you guys have luckily connected with Three Sheets um, to sponsor some of your events or just have some beers around for the guys playing uh, playing golf. So um, I've connected with the guys at Triple Bogey Brewing to bring a uh, swing oil segment hydrated by Triple Bogey Brewing. So I'm just going to ask you a couple questions. You can fire off the first answers that come to you. Don't have to think too much about them. And then we'll let you go because I know you got a lot going on right now. So have you ever had a hole-in-one? Six. Six hole in ones for Russell, but okay. Uh First one, can you can you give me an idea of it?
3: Uh, first one was at Canadian Junior Practice Round at Main V A in Quebec. It was like a five iron on the fourth hole. Wow, going, but it was
1: sweet, amazing. I've got one. I'm hunting. I had one like ten inches a couple weeks ago. I actually heard that Bryson's only ever had one hole in one yeah. too. Which yeah, that was that was kind of bizarre to hear that yesterday. But uh favorite track you've ever played.
3: Uh, jockey club in Buenos Aires, Argentina.
1: Okay. All right.
3: It's wow. Amazing, awesome
1: place. Lowest round you've ever carded? Uh,
3: 62 at a couple of places.
1: Nice. Good for you, man. Wow. Okay. Uh, favorite snack at the turn can be liquid. Of course.
3: Mm, Spice.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, most beers consumed in 18 holes. Yeah. Not that many. I get,
3: word of beer on the
1: off course. Yeah, I can I can uh I can attest to that. I can have you know half a dozen or so. But like I had a guy on the other day saying he had like 18 at a bachelor party. Wow. Like just absolutely insane. So thanks Russ. I appreciate you hanging out with the uh swing oil segment, hydrated by triple bogey brewing. But uh yeah this was awesome man. Thank you so much. Um
3: love what you're doing. Uh it's fantastic. Guys really enjoy it. Um and you know it's kind of you know, what you know podcasts and talking right. with you know different athletes and different people in the golf community is really um really helping you know develop and grow golf in you know toronto
0: ontario yeah check on my car for the scope go see that i'm pushing through the low. go ahead and count out the birdies so far One, it's three in a row 224 to the hole no down high, and i pull as a vote they say that you drive for the show uh. they say that you puff for the dough Money. remember i used to hunt this. Garmin approach on my wrist